Hello and welcome to a new episode of the Advanced Real Estate Talk. It's Aurelien, the mindfulinvestor.net with uh, Glenn and Darcy, glennsutherland.com and darcywhite.ca. And today we will be discussing um, land development. So I thought I would put in, uh, I would give an intro and, and share some of the, um, some of what I know about land development. Uh, so one of the big distinction you can make in land development is between land development can be just um, what they call flipping paper, where you have, um, for example, uh, a lot that is zoned for uh, single family homes and you upzone that lot to get more density. <laughs> Money is in density, like they say. Um, and and then you can sell that lot again to a to a builder. There is a distinction between land develop land development and building. They don't necessarily go uh, hand in hand. You can you can have them separate. Um, so, Ari, you're talking about like rezoning this land then in order to be able to big build something bigger. That's what you mean. Yeah, that that would be a one one thing you can do with land development. So just the distinction between land development and, and building. Because I initially I thought that there were when you had when you were doing land development, you had to build, but you don't. You can uh, you can just um, upzone the the lot uh, for a higher density, for example, or change it to uh, from from uh, uh, residential to uh, uh, industrial or uh, retail, um, and um, and you might, make, you might make more money going from like farmland to residential or farmland to commercial or something too. I think yeah, it's more complicated. Case, case by case. <laughs> it's really a case by case. Yeah. Um, and um, and land development is particularly interesting nowadays in Canada. Some in the industry talk about the next big thing because um, there is a, an influx of population with the new uh, immigration policies and the number of people that they want to bring to the country. Uh, the politicians want to bring to the country and you need you need to house them and uh, there is a, a crisis all across Canada uh, in, in most of the provinces uh, to find those people housing so therefore the the need for housing and the need also for affordable housing it's um, in the newspapers and uh, uh, many people talk about it and there yeah. are actually lots of um, government programs to assist uh, land developers with uh, with that uh, CMHC has a uh, MLI Flex and other programs to assist with um, the funding of those projects. You get you can get some seed capital to help with the the initially the initial costs, and then uh, and then they they secure they help secure the debt so that you can have a fifty year amortization period with a lower interest rate. So that because now you know with the Especially during the pandemic, we had rising prices for um, building material, and um, so that that helps a little bit with that. Yeah, I had to, you know this is not my area of expertise, but I had it described to me as this is the granddaddy of uh, real estate plays. Um, this is long term, deeper cycles. You're buying land over a longer period of time with the expectation of uh, some form of changing the land, its function and use, and its zoning. Um, for future development, uh, be it townhomes, single-family homes, commercial, high bay, um, intermodal, you know, whatever that purpose is, it is really, you know, if you imagine the uh, real estate activities as a pyramid, this would be the peak because it's 
it has the highest potential for, you know, real estate gains appreciation. And as you know, as, uh, what Ari says about a you know, changing zoning is a long, slow, deep process. You're working with municipal planners, um, stakeholders in the neighborhoods. These things are, you know, big, slow processes, and they require you to hold land for a long period of time, which is expensive. It's not like, uh, you know, flipping a single family home um, on a, like a five or six month. Is that appropriate cycle, Glenn? Five, six months? Yeah, sure. Yeah. If you're talking a land development deal, you're talking in terms of years and partial years. Um, it's a, it's the granddaddy and it takes, you know, a lot of capital. So that means it's limited to a handful of usually professional players or people that are holding land in families, generational holding of land. They're changing them. They're on the margins of cities or in areas that are being radically rechanged. Um, yeah, it's probably fascinating, exciting to see a community developed around these kind of mega projects. I watch them, I drive by them and I see the industry there and I'm fascinated by it. But, but uh, just for a little bit of context, that's how it's described to me. Well, you just mentioned like municipal planners and stuff too. So like, once again, this isn't my forte either, but uh, at least not yet, who knows what the future holds. Yeah. Um, but like, what, what do you need to be able to do this? Like you need to have some, you need to figure out who these municipal planners are. Do you need attorneys? Like, sorry to derail you a little Ari, but like, what do you need for your team, uh, compared to regular type of real estate that we're normally doing? Yeah. So, uh, <clears throat> so it's interesting. So municipalities, it's, it operates on a case by case basis and each municipality has its own, um, own development and, uh, zoning planning and zoning commission. And uh, so that's they, they are the ones that are responsible and dictate, you know, the terms of the development and how long it's going to take. Unlike a, um, a country like Japan, where it's uh, federal, where um, it's the government that can decide. And that, that's why they don't have um, they can make a, make a decision and, 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 and decide that uh, the, uh, they're going to produce that many units. Um, it's it's very uh, it's very local here in in Canada and most uh, and in the U.S. as well. And and basically, yeah, you need to establish your own team. Uh, usually, you talk to a planner, and then you're going to have an architect on your team. And you have a, a an initial meeting with the the municipality. You describe uh, what you want, what you plan to do, and then uh, and then you're going to have a, a team of engineers. So you can do a site plan and uh, establish, uh, you know, the geological um, specificities of the of the land you want to build on. For example, yeah. if you want to do a, a mobile home park, or you need um, you need to make sure that the the, you, you, the land is uh, is flat enough so that uh, you can uh, uh, <laughs> organize this, and then you need to bring the road and uh, the utilities. And I was recently talking to a planning commission here near London and uh, and uh, for a land development for a mobile home park, they wanted a city, uh, city utilities, so city water and city mm -hmm. sewer, uh, whereas uh, some mobile home parks that are in existence in Ontario use well and septic. Uh, now the tenancy they want. And then you have to, um, and also I was talking to Chatham Kent and for the, for the same issue and they they want you to be ready once the, you know, it's called sprawling when the city grows, that yep. you need to have water and sewer lines underneath the, your road, if it's a mobile home park development, for example, or a subdivision, so that when when you can, when they 
grow, you can hook up to their to their to their services. And yeah, on the team you need a planner, uh, an architect, and some engineers. And um, and what I like about it, um, usually when you have this team, they're the ones guiding you into <laughs> what are the next steps you need to uh, you need to do you need to yeah. take and. Um, yeah. And often in the industry, you talk about horizontal uh, and, and vertical. So usually when you build, you go vertical and horizontal, you lay the ground. You know, you, you there's city, water lines, sewer lines, uh, electrical, uh, some are called deep utilities. So the ones that are going to be underground and shallow mm -hmm. utilities, the ones that are above ground and um, uh, satellite, uh, TV cable and all this, everything yeah. plan. I was, I was thinking, yes, I didn't have a lot of experience with this, but actually upon reflection, we have, we have moved categories, um, which is a development process. So we, we bought a multi-residential apartment building in Southern Ontario in Windsor, uh, a pair of them, and we moved them from being uh, multi-residential into stratified or condo units. So in that process, that's a that's generally just a paper designation. You're changing from this category to this category. It's a development move, which moved from a single owner into potentially 48 different owners, which had tax consequences. So when we made our application, um, you know, like Ari said, um, <laughs> I'll borrow your terms again. We had horizontal, deep, straight things. So we had Enwin, uh, Union Gas, um, Bell. Um, every telecom that was uh, involved. We had the police, fire department, garbage, um, accessibility officer. Um, uh, all of these people reported in. They all made a report. The report was 192 pages, 192 pages. Yeah, I'm serious. Whoa. They all reported in beforehand to city council to evaluate the merits of moving this from single, you know, freehold property into a stratified. In addition to that, we had to get survey reports. So this is a building that's 40 years old. We had to go back and resurvey everything because he has built plans did not exist. The builder, you know, probably when they finished, threw them in a box, moved seven times and threw them out. They weren't held by the city. So we had to recreate them. So we had a survey company in, measure every single suite and building transits, the whole thing. It took, it was fairly substantial. I think it cost around $6,500. The legal on the, on the bill was about 22,000. Um, they had a, it's a new opportunity for them to review the property and go over fire and safety and every other service applied to that property because they were changing category. It's a fairly substantial process. It took us almost 20 months. Um, in the end, we spent close to $130,000 on the process to move categories on this building. Um, it was worth it. It allowed us then to sell individual units at market, which was a, a real boon for our investors. Also, it brought 48 units for private ownership into the Windsor market, which is our argument for town and council. Here's an opportunity for our people of modest means to own their own home. Um, it's a win-win for everybody. You know, so we balanced off that, you know, more than $100,000 and 22 months of work with, the, you know, the financial benefit and the social benefits. And the council agreed with us and said, this is a good plan. Let's go ahead with it. Um, but it is a grind. It is not simple. And you are engaging uh, at the level of lawyers, architects, town planners, surveyors, um, every utility professor. In fact, you know, we had 
um, Windsor Police Services out there giving a you know a safety uh, 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 evaluation, and they had to report to council whether our lighting plan was adequate. We had to provide 44 lumens at five feet above the parking lot at every corner of the parking lot with dark skies, no light up, can't be highly placed lights on the building parapet. They had to be posts at 16 feet shining just down on the cars. That kind of detail, it's it's complicated. Um, it's If you get the right project, it's totally worth it. It brings social benefit and it can be financially rewarding. And in the end, we made a beautiful looking building. We took what was a relatively ugly, inefficient, and um, uh, not very nice building. And we made something that was condo quality uh, for our residents. We knew in the end, we never did sell the 48 units um, when we sold the buildings a year and a half ago. Um, the person that bought it off us had a plan for selling those 48 units and they sold them in fractional sales, I think, to investors in Toronto. So it didn't achieve the aims that we had to provide, you know, modest housing for locals. I'm disappointed in that, but it was out of our hands once we had sold it. That's was their plan and that's what they took on. Um, but it can be rewarding in lots of ways, socially, financially, and, uh, uh, you know, satisfying in it as a project. Pretty, pretty exciting work. Yeah, it's pretty nice to, uh, you know, build something, create something where there was nothing. So that's mm -hmm. uh, the exciting part of it. And uh, I do it personally, I because I, I want to emulate um, um, uh, somebody that was a source of inspiration for me named David Azrieli, who was a mall developer. And mm -hmm. uh, yeah, I'd like to be a part of the affordable housing movement and um, and the projects, projects I'm involved in. So recently I had to um, uh, do a, a subdivision. I was uh, looking at... Uh, an eight plex and um, it was on the uh, same lot as a, as a house so we needed to subdivide the talk to the municipality subdivide the, the lot so uh, the purchase could happen <laughs> and then uh, i'm also involved in a land development in um, in florida in, in port lucy and um, I'm, I'm involved in all the the meetings with the, the engineers with the city and uh, learning a lot that way and it's um, it's interesting to be to see you know where where is the future going to be? Because you're you're part of the you're you're making you're making the the future happen, which is um, interesting and exciting. I think that's that's not that's a really really good point, Ari. Um, this is how the future of housing gets developed between uh, people with vision and dreams, and you know, I, let's not forget there's a financial reality here. Of course, um, it's in for market housing, and you've got market players and market forces working here. But these are people imagining you know, different and better communities. And um, this is how housing gets created through development. I mean, I hear lots of people and I read, you know, newspaper articles that uh, development, development is sort of a curse word. Uh, people spit that word out. But this is how all the housing that we're using has virtually come about. Very little has been actually provided for by federal, provincial or municipal sources in Canada. And if I can stand on the soapbox... There's a missing element there. I mean, if you leave all of the housing to market forces, you're going to get what the market will purchase. You're saying, well, we're going to accept a consumer model. So you really can't complain if that's the only thing that you allow to work. So for instance, people that were looking for a social model of housing, if they're not in the market and they're not doing it, they really can't complain that you don't have it. If you've abandoned the market to just commercial forces, that's all you're going to get. Um, if I could put a personal plug out there, I'm in Toronto on November 
second, third, and fourth as a sessional presenter, as a landlord at the Canadian Alliance to End Homelessness Conference in Toronto. If you're out, if you're about, if you're one of those attendees or you're interested in this, this is an exceptional movement and an opportunity to have your voice heard and to listen and inform yourself on the issues of around affordable housing, homelessness, and the way that we're going to develop um, you know, equitable and affordable and safe housing in Canada. If you want to be part of that conversation, you can be part of that conference. I think if you're a student or a professional, there's um, means to get you in there for less than market. If you're a market player, then well, you can afford to pay the full freight and buy a membership and show up. If you're there in the lobby or in the halls or in my session, introduce yourself. I'd love to meet you. Sorry, that's just a personal plug. If you want to be part of the solution, then there's an opportunity. So, Ari, I don't know what your, your plan was for this, this conversation. Do you want to talk about your Florida project a bit? I think you should. Tell people what you're doing. Why yeah, are you excited uh, about this? It's a 19.4 acre uh, lot. Um, uh, and uh, the goal is to... Uh, so, yeah, we're trying to get as much density as possible. It's an area of Florida where it's mo mostly affordable housing. <laughs> and it's likely we'll get uh, seven units an acre. And, yeah, it's, it's looking good. We had uh, recently a, a talk with... Um, the 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 planning commission for the city and so we had a they got they get a, they gave us a quote for the to get the utilities hooked up for water and sewer and yeah so that's uh that's part of the uh, part of the process and we're looking at a a year to year and a half to get the the project completed and we're already receiving phone calls from uh, builders who um or interested in um, in um, in um, taking over the project once uh, once it's uh, more or less shovel shovel ready, like they call so it. So seven units per acre. Is, is this a mobile home park? I'm guessing this isn't going to be a, a multifamily apartment building, is it? With that it's going to be a uh, row houses, townhomes. Townhomes, okay. Seven yeah. per acre. That's quite uh, generous land allow allowances. That's a lot of common space around them. Mm -hmm. Seven units per acre. That's okay. actually pretty nice. So um, that's the is you're gonna you're gonna figure this all out, get the, all the plans approved, you know, basically do all the homework and then pass it off to basically assign your project over to someone else for a yeah, exactly. That's the that's the plan. That's the exit. I love it. Yeah. Um, it's interesting too. You know, I've I follow uh, a bunch of local, uh, local by local. I mean, Canadian market uh, speakers on Twitter with. Uh, uh, mortgage brokers, uh, sales associates. Uh, uh, one of them is even running for city council out in Ontario uh, as following the market. And one of the interesting observation is um, one had described they were at a real estate conference in Toronto last week and not a single developer is bailing or slowing down or stopping, even with interest rates rising. Um, are you getting inquiries for projects that are what, a year and a half away? From, develop, uh, from builders looking to acquire land. It does go back to this idea that these are longer and slower cycles that are not based on six-week rolling interest rates, but on deeper, longer ideas about where the future of real estate and housing and building is going to go. So if you're in land development, you're talking 18 months of land prep. Those builders are talking 18 months to two years of construction. So we're talking housing entering the market in 2026, potentially. 
sometime early in 2026, if all things go well. I mean, that's after a second, that's midterm of the U.S. second next election. How, how if you're a developer like this, doing this how, how, land development, how could you possibly bail in the middle of the project, though? I know people yeah. do it, but like how could you almost have to go bankrupt, right? Like you, yeah. you've already got the financing lined up, even if the market changes, the way even I way I would look at it is you got to finish this, you're going to, you know, it may not be have the same ARV yeah. as you're going to have, but like would you not have to finish like if you once you start and it's well i think a bigger dictator would be like our new one starting like right from start because i can't see how you'd bail right yeah. that, that's that's a suicide move you can't so you know I, I think the idea is that by raising interest rates you're going to slow infl you're going to slow inflation but the problem is you raise the interest rates and your lending costs you've just built that into the cost of the housing that you're going to provide so it's going to have to be more expensive that's inflating it. The interest rate itself, the mechanism that they're going, hope oh, is slowing this down, is supposed to slow this, the inflation. It's, I suppose, it's akin to using chemotherapy to treat um, cancer. You're going to swallow poison and hope it doesn't kill the patient. Okay, um, I'm curious about better ways. This is really, you know, I'm not a giant macroeconomics guy. I'm just a simple guy with an arts degree out in Langley, but I'm curious how this is going to work. I don't think this makes housing affordable. The only reason that many of my friends' kids and my children were going to own a home is that interest rates were below 4%. And you could finance $600,000 at 2.7% over a 25-year term and buy a modest, say, 1,500 or 1,600 square foot house um, or townhome or you know row house by raising those interest rates to five and a half percent, you're not making this more affordable. I, okay, so how's this going to work? Someone explain that to me. I just don't understand. And put your comments in the uh, comment box. I'd be curious. <laughs> so Ari, there's there's a lot of stuff that you're doing right now. Like this sounds like a, it's not. This isn't <laughs> the simplest. Yeah, I'll bring you back slightly. But this isn't the simplest. Like um, you know, renovate a house and put it back on the market sort of plan. Um, what goes into your due diligence? Like when you're have this thing under contract, I assume you're looking at zoning. Um, what other things do you have to do before you actually go firm on this? Because, you know, there's a lot of things probably that you need to have <clears throat> that are going to work out for you to be able to do this project. Right. Well, yeah, you want to go, uh, ideally, and it depends on the market, but you want a longer <laughs> diligence period, um, so that you can see, you know, because, uh, you know, as we mentioned, uh, municipalities can be slow at approving uh, the process. So one good thing to do is to approach municipalities and find out their appetite for development. So that uh, that's going to help um, later in the process. It's good to figure out <clears throat> where do they stand in terms of uh, uh, water and sewer hookups? Because uh, and where where are the water sewer hookups? How far away are they from the site you found? Um, and my my take on this, I would rather um, identify first the planning commission that's pro development and uh, eager to to see a uh, development and grow population growth happening in their in their community, uh, and then find land, find a site. Makes sense. And. Um, yeah, and I think it's important to have a, a decent pro forma, uh, get a sense of the demographics, get a sense of the demand for the product you plan to uh, to develop. Uh, you can talk to uh, real estate brokers for that. 
but that's not the that shouldn't be the only source of information uh it's good to uh, to do uh, to try and find to do surveys and observe you know uh, use statistics canada and see you know what are the what are the trends and what what do people want what type of products do they want and then um based on all this information make sure making sure there is a demand for the product you're building uh, then building that product and uh, yeah there is a, something we didn't mention which is uh, you, you, you're going to do some environmental studies um, and um, and by talking with people in the industry you know uh, for example I was looking at this uh, mobile home park development um, or pre manufactured home community development and, and if you were to use septic tanks it's good to do it in an area with uh, where the soil is sandy because then it's it's much easier to dig and um, so that you know by you find out by by talking to people you know you, you don't know you don't know so the more information you can gather the better, the better equipped you are to uh, to tackle the project and and i think it's important to have a solid exit strategy for example when i look at those manufactured home communities uh, i've 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 made an exhaustive list of all the um, uh, manufactured home communities in southwestern ontario and and i've called them all and um, I've called them all at different uh, intervals, and I, I found out that uh, uh, REITs were in the process of buying them out. And uh, REITs are flush with cash and don't really care about the return, so they they can buy at crazy prices. Um, and uh, uh, so Kilam REIT, for example, out of Nova Scotia, has been buying a lot of the manufactured home communities here in southwestern Ontario. And um, they're not the only one. There is there is other REITs that are doing it. So. That's that's one exit strategy. You know, once you have your project up and going, you know that you have um, you have tenants or uh, residents, uh, and it's it's full. That's that's one way of exiting the the game, either long term debt or or selling. So having a good solid exit strategy, making sure the demand is there, and and. And yeah, you want and also one a, a key element about development is. You want to control the land. You don't necessarily want to own it. You want to control it. So if you can negotiate with the seller of the land to either have them as a partner or, or negotiate, uh, have it under contract for you know, a longer period of time, like six months, maybe 12 months, then, then you control the land and then you can do um, your research, talk to the municipality and, and find all the information that's relevant for, for your development. Do you think it would be timeline wise possible to do all this work with the city, get all the plans, all your um, architect draw everything up and then assign the contract at the end of the 12 months? Or do you think you're going to need to close on it and then assign it afterwards? Uh, yeah, I've heard of people doing that. Yeah. Uh, a double close or. Okay. No, I was curious. All right. What else? What else should we have asked you about development? <laughs> did we cover? Did you get everything you're looking for? Because, yeah, did yeah, you? I think yeah, that's uh, that covers pretty much. Uh, you know, it gives a a, a, low, a high level overview of uh, some some of the elements of what to look for in development, and uh, and I think it's development is usually the rewards are higher because it's it's riskier. Um, that's that's one thing to yeah. to remember with uh, development land development um, and uh, if you go up till the end with the construction uh, because there are so many moving pieces with the construction cost of material uh, you know different trades showing up not showing up on the job 
managing that uh, usually takes longer. Usually it's never on budget, so you need to factor all of this in. So the construction aspect is um, is um, is can be a tricky one. And uh, Darcy Mahler, who has a course about land development, that's something he says I had in my podcast, and that's something he he likes to say, you know, in and out quickly, so that you do your land development and and in and out quickly. And um, and there is a lot of <laughs> resources out there to educate oneself about land development. There is Darcy Mahler's course. Um, it's a nice course. Uh, I don't remember the cost. It's between one and two thousand dollars, and then you get a, a call, an, an hour and a half call every two weeks, and then access to all the calls, the prior calls. And um, there is um, Karina Guzman in in um, Ottawa who has a coaching program with coaches, and also they look at uh, land developments and, and flipping papers. And she was also on my podcast. Hmm. Cool. Yeah, I think. Uh, I think we've had a longer episode today, but yeah, well, it's a big, it's a big subject. Listen, if people have ideas about this or questions, or you're involved in one, I'd be curious. Put something in the comments. Uh, send us a line through the through the podcast, and we'll um, send us we'll, an email. Uh, yeah, it, send an email to the podcast. It's be curious about what you're doing. Talk at gmail.com, I think. Yeah. That sounds right. Yeah. Yep. Advanced REI talk at gmail.com. Yeah. And seriously, if you're in Toronto in uh, the second to the fourth, uh, come up and say hi. Um, I'd love to chat with you. I'd like to hear what you what you think of the podcast, what you'd love to have covered, questions you have. I want to find out what you're doing. Um, we did this podcast to reach out and connect with people. And yeah, that's one of the top aims. So I'd be interested in that. Come up and say hi. I won't be unfriendly. Okay, okay. Well, thank you for tuning in, everybody. And I uh, hope you got some value out of today's episode. Uh, like Darcy says, you know, we're happy to provide value, provide insights on different topics. If you if there is a topic you'd like us to cover, advancedreitalk at gmail.com, advancedreitalk at gmail.com. Any feedback is welcome. And uh, yeah, feel free to leave us reviews. Thank you for tuning in. It was Darcy at darcywhite.ca, Glenn, glensutherland.com, and Aurelien, themindfulinvestor.net. Looking forward to seeing you next time. Bye, everybody. Bye, everyone.